Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking some agronomic commandments for the upcoming season. In our spotlight, we'll look at Sam Sarah and Deer partnering for fleet management. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about Alice Chalmers' no-till planter from 1966. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. And if we have time, we'll wrap it up with an ag idiom of the week. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So if you missed it, last week we had the second annual Fantasy Corn League draft. Whoa. Hello. Did you just turn it's, me up? Yeah, I wasn't picking up very good, so I got you a crank to the max now, Matt. So, All so of a sudden you're clear I got on the sound waves. Super loud in my I, own I ears. I didn't even touch the button. I don't know what. <laughs> like, I just, I barely touched it, and she went. So I think we got you now. It didn't right. j- the old jiggle the cord. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully in the playback that didn't sound weird, other than me sounding like I just got goosed. Uh, the, uh, I did not goose you, Matt. I am sitting next to you. But watching, I, watching you, Bill. Watching I did you. not goose anyone. All right. So we, you know, excitement's kind of calmed down. Everybody's looked over their team. Anybody got any uh, any regrets or wish I would have or anything from the draft last week? I was just glad, you know, the process. We had our draft board, and you know, there wasn't an unlimited. No, I felt it went a lot. Did Did you change your year. mind, Max? On the Max is the only one that liked the unlimited pool. I, he feels like he could find some secret. <laughs> he found variety secret. that we never would have thought of from the I guess back of some his book. scouting. I guess I, I part of what I I guess after thinking about it for a week, my my this is my plug for next year to these seed suppliers don't give us all your new stuff that you want like give us a couple more of those old standby varieties that we know like i felt like we were a little strapped with the new ones a little bit not like terrible and it's okay to have new stuff too but well you know it's just like football you gotta deal with rookies and when i got the book and was doing my research i was really excited about the rookies like this is gonna be awesome but what you said is true max it's like well you're getting a total wild card it's like the nba when you got these one or two and done guys like you don't really have a full book versus, like you're saying, Max, give us some old ones. You got, like, the four- or five-year starters well, that you have the, the background data I, on. I get, like, one company did a really nice job and gave us 10, 12 varieties, and it was five or six new ones and five or six of the, you know, the standbys. Well, quite a few companies gave us two or three, and it was two all ones. new ones. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, I hope those new ones are good, too. It's just... For the sake of our corn league, and not you know, it's nice to have know that you got a steady performer in there in a couple places. But I guess that's where my gr- biggest gripe was. Regardless, but, we are grateful to all the yeah. companies that did provide seed options you just, for us. You just stress me out during the draft. <laughs> I can't lean back on my safety blankets. Well, that's the upside to you know this being a fun thing that we're we're doing. I mean, yeah, we are collecting data. We are you know, it does get, it is going to help us ultimately in our jobs too, but. You know, being able to see some of these new ones is going to be kind of cool because we'll we'll see them here in this environment and be able to kind of learn a little bit more about them. So, what do you guys think of the April time frame versus last time we did it in November? Better, I, I think, liked it better. Yep. I think overall, yeah, it was just everything went a lot smoother this year. A lot more of the plot data was out from last year. I feel like I'm nice. getting jacked about the NFL draft coming up, and that was just like a good two weeks from. Yesterday. yesterday yeah so like it feels like april's just draft time like that's what we can do it, wnba draft was last week there, I mean, there you go whoop, yeah. whoop. actually monday not last week monday monday All right. did you guys watch the the brew crew in their home opener yesterday i did i i found it funny like when i was looking to see what time the game started that they were playing on four fourteen, and the listed start time was four fourteen. In the area code of 414. 414, yeah. Woo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> and they got the and win. And they won. It just got deep. They, they, won. they didn't win. 4-1. 14-4, to though. 41-4. Or lose 4-14. 41-4, to that would have been nice. The first pitch was actually recorded at 4-15. Who got to throw out the first pitch? Um, like I don't the, know. The, yeah, I don't know yeah, who the, the ceremonial one didn't. was. Did they sell out? Because I heard they didn't. It was, but it didn't look. 
It wasn't full. Yeah, and I was listening to a couple sports guys this morning that were there, and they're like, yeah, we didn't spend much time watching the game. We were like with our like catching up with people and doing stuff. So I wonder if some of it's like the opening day. That's a week after opening day. Just isn't it doesn't hit the same, especially when you have a roof. Yeah, like oh, think without the roof, they would have blown oh, away yesterday. Yeah, they, they, they would have been that, a yeah. lot different. Game. Yeah, they, but my point is, usually when you have a roof, you're opening day, opening day, not right. Two weeks they later, they do get the early opening day. You're right. Yeah, week later, just, whatever it is. I just feel like it loses some juice. Like the, it takes more of a diehard to be there on opening day. That's ten days after the real opening day. So. Yes, home opener is different than opening day. Yeah. yeah, I love opening day baseball though. Like when the Brewers have a home game on opening day, that is probably like the most fun baseball game you can go to, uh, other than a playoff game. But standard like season game opening day is so much fun. That is kind of a cool tradition in baseball. Like why does like the first game literally doesn't even out of one sixty two they all matter the almost same. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> right or very little. I mean, obviously they each matter in their own way, but. The opening day game definitely doesn't matter any more than. But the I rest, think but in a northern just, climate, it's like it's the, the unofficial it's start, start of, of spring. spring and summer, yeah. right? Like, and you think about how crappy it is most of the time when we go on opening day. It's forty degrees and raining, but we're like, summer's here, baby. Yeah. Better rain than snow. When I was a dumb college student, happen. when I was a dumb college student, we went to opening day and we we're going to tailgate. And I'm like, okay, we don't have a grill. We're in college, right? So we went to like walmart or something we got a grill in a bag it was like a yep the aluminum tray with charcoal and oh we're gonna do this it was a day like yesterday like 20 mile an hour wind 40 degrees we couldn't get the sob started <laughs> like lit so we're like put our tail between our legs and went to the people next to us we're like can we grill your brats on our brats on your grill so then i went and got a a gas uh tailgater, tailgater. yeah i was like i'm not doing that again <laughs> No, I love I love opening day at Miller Park. I yeah. love opening day at Miller Park. <laughs> it's not Miller Park. It's American Family no, Field it's at cool. Miller Park. Right? The cool the cool thing it is on be. opening day, I always think is like you're sitting there, you're at the stadium. It's the unofficial start to summer, and then they have when they have the scoreboard going on the back wall there, and it's like the horses being let out of the gate at the Kentucky Derby because everybody's throwing their first pitch, and it's yeah. just like baseball season is here. I love it. And I think the cool part about baseball is like, like you said, that there's so many games, so it's relaxed. Like football, you only get eight-ish home games, so like every play you want to be in the stadium and watch. Where baseball, you can no, you don't feel bad going to the bathroom, right? You don't feel bad getting up, getting beer. I, you know, when the Brewers lose in the in the playoffs, it ruins my mood for a week. True, the Packers lose a regular season game, and my mood's ruined for the week. Right, like. So the I like that I like that it's more relaxed. That the Brewers can lose a game on Tuesday at noon, and I'm like, man, try again tomorrow. Like, we'll we'll get it. Well, yeah, when you've got a 162 games to play out, really, I mean, nothing really matters before the All Star break unless you're really really bad and can't win a game. But the, it just makes being a fan a little bit easier, I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right, Easter Bunny coming to everybody's house this weekend. Max, you guys, big Easter Bunny. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. get and see her in Easter, Easter Bunny. Basket. Easter Bunny does, will be our own. Does Joey get a doggy basket? Hide some eggs. You guys met my wife. Do you think Joey gets an Easter <laughs> yes, basket? Yes, I do. I feel like yeah. That's probably all right. Yeah. So we're just so we're clear on on who's behind it. Yeah. Would Joey eat hard boiled eggs? Hidden uh, Joey house? will eat anything. How hard does she? How hard does the Easter Bunny hide it? Like in the dog. No hiding. No. No hiding. <laughs> He's no got to smell around for it. No hiding. <laughs> it's, about, bur- it's buried in the backyard. Go fight. Yeah. How about for your kids, how hard does the Easter Bunny hide their baskets? Like, are we talking it's, like well, hour age, long? Age, or, age no. dependent. Age, yeah. yeah. And my kid, like, I have 12 and a 15-year-old now, so it's been, well, like, you run out of spots. Well, for, they get past the primer, they probably just quit looking, too. They're just like, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll find it, it I'll get to it sometime. Later. The bigger issue is usually, like, Making sure one doesn't spoil the other. Yeah. Like, okay. If you find somebody else's basket, don't say anything. Right. See, I, my basket was never hidden by the Easter Bunny ever. Like that wasn't no. a thing. Nope. They were always. They just sat, left them out. All three of the boys' baskets were on the floor in front of the fireplace well, in the living room. It is freedom. The Easter Bunny probably got a little tipsy and <laughs> yeah, said, "Ah, the heck with it." 
He was just coming out of buzzes in time to drop him <laughs> off. Crawled back into his rabbit hole. The leap in. Slept it off. <laughs> Leapies. No. Home tavern. It was leaping. Leaping. Uh-huh. Well, well wouldn't you think he would hang out with his buddy at Beaver's Hut? Or, or Skunk Hill. I thought yeah. Skunk Hill. The skunk yeah. over Can't there. go there. They're under It's like a Bambi reunion. You got the <laughs> bunny, the skunk. skunk. And I guess there wasn't a beaver in Bambi, but there could be. There could have been. They just didn't get close enough to the water. Is Skunk Hill up and running again? Two o'clock today, baby. Oh. Grand reopening. Nice. New floor. Big time. Be sticky within the next 24 just, hours. <laughs> just in time for Easter. <laughs> No, Easter. I like Easter. It's a good, good holiday. Great, great food. You don't have to worry about like getting gifts for people. Like that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I, my in-laws' tradition that they've carried on as adults is everyone gets an Easter bunny, like a chocolate bunny, Ooh. and they go to. I always call it Bernstein's. Some people call it Berenson's, but chocolate in Green Bay Bernstein's. on Broadway, and uh, then it's. They sneak in and find their siblings' bunny and eat the ears off or bite the tail off, and then you like you got to protect your bunny the whole day, <laughs> or somebody's gonna like nosh on it. Like, yeah, you gotta keep it in your pocket that's yeah. all melted. Hollow or solid? Uh, the little ones I think are solid because the hollow one just is disappointing. Right, you bite into like you can't bite too hard, otherwise you're gonna clack your teeth together because there's <laughs> right. not, enough, not enough structure there to stop you from. The Easter Bunny always Chipping got always got me like the two pound uh, Reese's egg. Ooh. Ooh, sweet! It's not good. Oh, Reese's like, egg? <laughs> well, not that size. The two pound one, like it's oh, just not I, like enjoyable. I love me some Easter oh. eggs though. Oh, I do love a Easter egg. egg. No, they're like the top because especially like you got the Cadbury Bunny egg sucks and That's like terrible. peeps suck. Yeah. So like, yes, the proper way to eat peeps is just to throw it, them. Max, in they <laughs> they suck. Oh, You're given this thing, peeps, peeps are not good. Although a peep s'more. No, I'll tell you what. A peep yeah. s'more that can yeah. do the trick. A Snickers egg. Oh yeah, a Snickers egg. No, I, I've had them. They're that's pretty right. good. The problem with the Snickers egg, they're really expensive. You get like six of them for like four bucks. But they're good. But why is the the Reister egg so much better than the Reister like Christmas tree or anything else that they make? It's probably know. no it's, different. It must but be it the just, ratio of peanut butter uh, to the to chocolate. chocolate. I think it is. Even in a Reese's cup, like right. You always have that hard edge, yeah. In a Reese's cup, whereas the, the, the Reese's egg, egg, it's like smooth. You don't, you never feel like you're crunching. It's just like, mm, yeah, it's delicious. I think the reason you don't enjoy the Christmas tree, I think the trees and the eggs are probably the same. The problem is when you're eating the trees, you got all that good homemade oh, candy around, and that good, that yeah. takes away from how good the tree really is. Yeah. And the jagged edges. And now that now that we've dissected candy thoroughly, <laughs> yeah, made hopefully you're. Uh, your mouth watering for this weekend. Steal your children's you, candy out of their basket. If you, if you gave up candy for Lent, I'd wait till after <laughs> Easter to hear this episode. You can eat candy on Easter, though, well, right? Yeah. If yeah. You gave it up I would Lent. wait till Sunday to hear the episode. Yes, right, got Put it. it that way. Sorry. All right. You guys ready to get into our topic for today? Yes. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Today, we're going to be evaluating the 10 agronomic commandments for 2022. Now, this is not... Our idea, it's actually an article we found in Successful Farming. Um, so we're just going to talk about kind of where we stand on these issues. So it was Avoid These Agronomic Sins in the Season Ahead by Gil Gullickson was the article here. So we got a little intro for going into the Ten Commandments here, Todd. Oh, caught him sleeping. No, the, no, the internet's going to knock it. Sleeping at the wheel. Yeah. Maybe this is fantastic. All pay heed. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these fifteen. Hey. Ten, ten commandments for all to obey. If you haven't seen History of the World Part One, I highly recommend it. I, have you guys seen that? I have not seen that. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt will like chastise us, but no, I haven't actually. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sat not down. surprised that <laughs> I've I've seen part one and part two. <laughs> I think I've seen every Mel Brooks movie there is. So, not that there are. The Blazing Saddles is probably the most popular one. Really, that's a Mel. I think Spaceballs. Spaceballs is up there too, but yeah, comb, we've seen Spaceballs. Yeah, comb the desert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep firing assholes. Uh, 
No, yeah, Spaceballs is is one of my favorites too. How is that not your favorite? With how much you like yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars. Like, I know I it's it's a it's a hard to say, like that one. Blazing Saddles is is very good. It's not politically correct anymore. Like it is hard. I, I would be hard pressed to say you could find it on a streaming service right now because oh, because all that uh, sure. it, the whole thing centers around a black sheriff, and they use the N word quite a bit. Um, I mean, it's it's played for comic effect and and everything, but it's yeah, it's just not politically correct anymore. But yeah, no, Spaceballs is definitely up there too. I like history and Star Wars. Okay, <laughs> it's on Prime Video. Blazing Saddles is. Yeah. Well, that surprises me. I wonder if it's edited or not. Because, uh, I mean, the way everything kind of gets... I mean, even Disney just pulled a bunch of stuff off Disney Plus because it was too adult or something. Oh, jeez. I saw. Yeah. So, But anyway, that's not... <clears throat> neither that's here nor there. Not what we're talking about. Let's, let's get into our actual topic. <laughs> um, so, article was put together. Uh, they talked about some different uh, commandments to keep in mind as you're going through this season. So, the first commandment was thou shalt not keep prevent plant acres bare. Hmm. And I would I would agree with that. Uh, you're just if you're not if you're going to spend money on herbicide to kill off all the weeds that you let grow or, all or season or tillage a lot of times tillage, you have to till it multiple times. Why not just put a cover crop in there and or I I don't I'll, mind this one. I just think as a number one it seemed very a weird number one pick. Well, like, I, I was like, yeah, I don't know that these are in any particular order. I guess I don't know for sure. But. Th- they don't seem to be. I'll put it that way. Because yeah. yeah, I just thought you'd pick, put the priority oh, yeah. listing. Yeah, no. I think I think it should say also like, "Thou shalt do something with your prevent plant acres." Thou shalt do something right. because I feel like when we've had prevent plant acres, there's been farms and fields that like. They don't even do anything. Like they don't even kill the weeds or till sure, or they nothing. Don't do they just and then and, and then you got like six foot tall water hemp by the end of the summer. It's like ew. well, and the double whammy is when you have those prevent plant acres that got manure the fall before, right? And then you're just gonna let it go all season, like right? And then you want to hit it again because it's open, right? No, I think this one also bothers me is because it doesn't happen that often. Right. So, I mean, it, it happens, but it's a one in a 10 years, I don't know, 20, hopefully. And this is a national article, and I remember them specifically listing, like, the Red River Valley, um, you know, heavy soils that don't dry out typically. 2018 and 19 in northeast Wisconsin. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, it is very region-specific. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good idea if you're going to have prevent plant acres. I also put the current drought monitor in here because... Um, for us this year, that's the inverse prevent plant map or what? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we were, we talked, I think a couple weeks ago, we were still in a D zero abnormally dry. Well now here in Seymour, Wisconsin and you know, anything North of the, of Lake Winnebago basically is, is no longer in a, a drought with the exception of a little corner in, in Western Wisconsin. Um, to the South of us, they're still in a, um, D zero to D one drought, but, um, if it is kind of a droughtier year, you're less likely to have that anyway. So it's like you said, Todd, it's not a huge concern generally um, outside of some particularly wet years that we had recently. But there's some big count, like Iowa's got a bunch in a D1 or D2. Yep. Yeah. Southern Wisconsin and through basically across central Iowa um, and then into Southern Minnesota. There's some areas there and, but way, the big ice Minnesota. state, the big, you know, all the ice states, not Iowa, but Indiana, Illinois, um, Missouri, Missouri yep. Ohio, I mean, there's basically like no drought, which is sort of, those are the big states that right. this we did, could matter. So. We did just have a major weather system work through the Midwest. So I yeah. wonder what this looked like four days ago even. Oh, yeah. No, we've we've been consistently wet now. No, months of For, more rain. Yeah. yeah, and that's why we're no longer in... in no, this spring's starting to get into the like top five of just crappy springs. Like Now it's to the point where, yeah. like, okay, like you can... But it's not wet. You can get warm. It's not like crappy because it's wet, though. Not wet, wet, but it's not dry. You know, The thing is, we're so far away with such good weather, and there's none on the horizon right, right now. Yes. That's the part that that's is, like, starting to get well, frustrating. It's, it's carried through from last year. We're getting the, okay, it's going to be warm for like three days. And that it's, it's been all since like 
what, August? Rem- rem- Last year, you know, we... Remember, guys, we had corn frost off. Right, in, in May. May. Oh, yeah, we yeah, don't want that either. I'm not either, that nervous. No, no I, I'd rather that get it... sucked last yeah. year. <laughs> get it, the cold out of its system now, yeah. like, do this now, that's fine. But Max is right, it's like, it's April 15th now, and then you look at the 10-day, and it looks... We're, it's still cold. Like Nights in the 20s the yet. Yeah. yeah. We're talking, like, from today, if you wanted to plant corn, you'd need a really good 10 days of, like, perfect weather to get there, and... We have nothing anywhere near good, even good weather in, on the forecast, so we're a long ways away. The other part I'm struggling with is I brought in wheat a week ago, like inside, and it's just like slapping me in the face of how good it looks <laughs> yep. for in 60-degree weather for seven days. It looks awesome. So, like, that's the other hard part of, like, man, we could, we're that close to being, having a good alfalfa, having a good wheat crop. It's just got to give us, like okay weather here uh, for a little a bit. A heat unit would be <laughs> yeah. good. A uh, heat right. unit. Yeah. One, just a couple, maybe two. So, all right. <clears throat> Commandment number two is thou shalt not mismatch equipment with a tillage system. So I think what they're getting at here is trying to dramatically change your tillage system and thinking that it's going to solve all your problems. So suddenly just adopting no-till whole hog without really changing your equipment is from what I got out of the article, you know, um, or going to hundred percent cover crop without really having an experience. So trying to manage your whole farm and do everything all at once usually isn't the best idea. You want to ease into it, learn how to manage well, different systems and pick and choose the fields that are going to best set you up for success. Right. Right. Don't pick a poorly drained, heavy soil to try no-till on. Pick a lighter soil, maybe that's tiled, maybe your higher producing field that you know is going to be ready to go when we finally do get weather. Like, set yourself up for success. And put your cover crop on that really wet acre so that, yeah, hopefully in the spring it'll be sucking moisture out and you can get in there sooner. I think it also is saying have a tillage system, have a plan. Right. And then know what you need for equipment to sort of execute that plan because they talk about making sure you have good residue cleaners and downforce when you're trying to no-till and have everything set up to go, that this isn't just sort of a, like, hey, we got this old equipment and we're going to mismatch, like, kind of half in, half out of a tillage system. Like, just pick one and know what works in that system and do it is better than kind of being this, mismatch thing full-blown no-till planner with a moldboard plow that's what everybody needs (laughs) right just silliness yeah so that that's a good one like we said just to kind of know your acres and what's plan for success so if you fail to plan plan to fail bam bill collar all right We won't go there. (laughs) Commandment number three, thou shalt not plant corn shallow. This was one I think we can all get behind because we've all seen what happens when corn sits on top of the ground or, um, you know, you have planting depth issues can can impact the crop. So generally speaking, I think we're, I think everybody here is advising around that two, like to shoot for two for the most part. I mean, there's, there's going to be situations and, and can soil conditions that may change that depth a little bit, but in general, that's around, I think, where we all kind of target. Inch and three quarters, the two and a half, and don't worry about it. You know, get it there and get it down to moisture, you'll be fine. I really, like, of anything, I, when I deal with farmers, that, like, makes my skin crawl when people talk. It's like, oh, i got to plant shallow to get it out of the ground faster. Oh, my it's God. It's like, I'm just like, I go into this convulsion of like, okay, I get why you want it out fast, but all the other things you're doing to yourself by just trying to get it out of the ground. And the, the other part is I've seen it where it doesn't come out of the ground. Because it doesn't hit moisture. Right, right, it just right. sits there. Right. So, it's, yeah. so it's a weird one where you you won't get it but out I of the But I bet ground. you've all heard it. Like, oh, right? Yeah. Like, oh, plant yeah. it shallow so it comes out of the ground fast. I've heard it exceptionally large amount of times for how much research is out there that says don't do that. Right. And it kind of plays into the next one. Commandment number four, thou shalt not till and plant wet soils. So 
and I would add um, knowing your soil temperature to these two as well. You know, it's it's great to get in early, but if you don't have the right soil temp, it's not your corn's going to again sit there not do anything. And with seed treatments and stuff, we don't see seed rotting the same way we would have probably even 10, 15 years ago. But still, you know, it w really isn't gaining you a lot to go into a soil too early. Well, I, every year I'll inevitably get a picture. A guy starts planting corn and he sends me a picture like, should I keep going? And like the furrow isn't closed or it's too chunky or something. And it's like, it's almost harder to stop yeah. once you're in it too. Right. And you know, but you know, like guys know better, but it's like, well, I'm already started. So right. I might as well finish this field. Right. It's like, it's like well, so why'd you even start if you know you're not going to stop if it was bad? I, I think this one should be number one. I, out of all this list, this is like yeah, a number wise. one. This is, is the highest yield robber we have right now. Right. And not that I don't want to say like the word patience because it's, it's partly patience, but it's partly just knowing your soils. And a lot of it's knowing when, okay, that you got neighbors around, you know, you know when they usually go and you know when you go in comparison to when they go <laughs> and just do it, you know, like, okay, I'm third in line to these five neighbors. I'll just, yep, he went today and I don't think it's ready. And honestly, part of it's in general, you probably don't want to be the first one going. That's usually, it, it can work out. But most of the time, you don't necessarily want to be. So, yeah, just waiting that little bit more till you know it's ready and then and but, then going. And I'm sure it doesn't matter, like, if you're in our neck of the woods or Max when you go south. The neighborhood always has, right, the couple guys that, yep, when that guy goes, I know I have a week to get my stuff ready to go. Like, he's always a week ahead of when I feel he should be. And I don't think it matters if you go Wisconsin to Texas. I bet you it's the same. You guys are usually just relying on me because I'm usually 10 days ahead down there <laughs> than you guys are up here. Yeah, you always have those those guys, too, that are so fixated on that of like, oh, well, they're going. That means it's got to be time, right? And it's like, yeah. Well, well, there, too, just go look at your own fields. Right. Yeah. Worry I, about yourself. Worry about your farm. You know your. You should know your acres. You don't do everything else like your neighbor does. Well, Most right. of the time, you say he's an idiot, but all of a sudden he's in the field and we're like, <laughs> he's oh, not an idiot budget. anymore. <laughs> but there are you fields. Know, I got twenty bushel more than that guy, right. but you I'm going to plant because he's planting. You guys are all laughing, but you've all sat around the table and heard, "Yeah, well, every old Jones over there, he's a he's a moron. He doesn't know what he's doing." The second the planter's in the field, well, he's a genius. We got to get going. <laughs> You know exactly the conversation I'm talking about, yep. and it's hilarious to listen to every year, and you're just like, I wish I could play back the things you said about him last fall. Like, But you hear it every year, the same thing. If you're lucky, you get the like, should it, the question more so than the statement of like, yeah, he's going, should I be? like? At least that, then you know you've got <laughs> a, a, a chance. Like, <laughs> like not just like, hey, yeah, platter's in the ground, we're going. He's going. Isn't that crazy or not? <laughs> yeah. Like, should do, I be? Do you feel like the guys with bigger acres to do kind of break that rule a little bit more? I, oh, yeah. You, you, I, but I was just going to do the caveat of that. Of like, you have to know how many acres you got to plant, know your size of your plant or what you got to get done. And obviously certain farms you might have to break that rule a little bit, like you said. I, but I, at the same time, know, know too when you can... Yeah, it's like the no one to hold them, no one to fold them kind of deal. You just sort of got to know that on your farm. You got to know your own conditions and when you've seen it work to go and when you should have stayed out. And re and realize that two years ago it was the same conditions. I didn't stay out and it hurt me. Now you need to be disciplined. Maybe not patience. Time, I like the word discipline. discipline. Like yeah. I got to be disciplined to remember what happened two years ago and apply that to this year because the other hard part too is there is that people that are too patient and then they wait forever because until it's like perfect and it's not going to be that either right you know what i mean like it's not going to slap you in the face like hey it's ready to go you should have been going so on certain springs too you can be too patient but if you're disciplined that is a better word because that shows that you have restraint but then when it's time to go you go like it's go time you know when it is go time you know i'm going to push back on this larger acres it's more of a problem because I, what I see is some of, the, some of the guys I work with with larger acres, they know, okay, if I wait till conditions are right, I can plant all my corn in seven days. 
If I'm going when it's not right, it takes me three weeks because we're broke down, going too slow, all that stuff. And then it doesn't turn out besides. So for me, Max, it was more of a question than like, I wasn't saying we should because we have more acres. I'm just saying, do you feel like they break the rules more because they know they have? It's definitely a habit that happens. I I just, sometimes I, I wish I could pull guys back and say, can you just look at this from this perspective too? And maybe they'll be like, oh Yeah. I can do it way faster and way more efficiently if I just would wait two more days before I start. I think equipment size plays into that, too. Yeah. If you're bigger acres and bigger equipment, you can handle that. But if you're you know, still working on sizing up your equipment to match your acres and you've got a smaller planter, it, it's going to take you longer. In general, so you, you, buy, start. you buy the ground before you buy the planter, right? So you, right. you can get a little over over the front of your skis on that sometimes. We, we talked a lot about planting in this, but it does also say tillage. And that is a big one, too, to watch of, like, yep. making sure you're not working it dry. Like, that doesn't, like, like oh, I'll just work it and it'll dry out. Like, there is some patience there, too, that you got to know when it's Well, and, and yes, it may ready. dry out, but then you've lost all the moisture you wanted if your seed to you, get when you go could, back into it. If and potentially. If the chunk's coming out of the size of your head, it's probably not, should be worked right now. Or right. even the size of a baseball, like, yeah, you know, well, I mean, well, there too. How this then? You know, the equipment itself, the the tractor tires, the all the teeth are making. You're making compaction then to a shallow layer of compaction that you're going to have to break up. So, yeah, <clears throat> tillage begets tillage. If you work it up bad the first time, then you might have to make another pass, and maybe another pass. And well, we worked it kind of wet last fall, so we really should chisel plow it again this spring to really break up the yeah. compaction. You yeah. know. And so tillage leads us into the next one. And, and this one, I'll be interested to see what you guys say. Thou shalt not worship spring vertical tillage. So their argument here is that uh, vertical tillage in the spring can cause a compaction layer, even you know stunt corn in some cases if, if used wrong. So it, it kind of plays into that last one where you know timing your tillage correctly. You guys have anybody that do Todd? I think you've got a farm that does oh, yeah, quite a bit of spring do vertical tillage. A lot of it. I I got some farms though that are really don't believe it, and some farms do. And I it it talks about a trial here that Aco did that showed that it reduced yield and hurt things. But I've I've had good luck with it if you wait to do it properly, and we're kind of learning how to use this tool too. And I I still think I would I would agree it can actually. It, Vertical tillage does mess up some sort of capillary movement of water, and that can be a good and bad thing. So it's just deciding how to use it, when to use it. And I think we think a lot of these tools were so light when they first came out, um, like the humdingers or the, I don't know what the other thing was called. But, you know, and you just go out there and use this to sort of break up that top layer Mm -hmm. to dry it out. And now they're a lot heavier, and they don't usually do that. So it's kind of watching... How you use it? A lot of the first verticals were those harrows, right? Those, yeah, yeah, like a vertical harrow, yeah, yeah. The V, and they had the little spine, the little spikes that kind of rolled in a basket, and and you went super fast right. with the light tractor, and it it was different than I had one now. farm. Like he would do it. He said, "I have to have some mud sticking to my tires and a little bit flinging off to do his harrow," and then I knew I was right. That's what his sure. And I get, it worked for him because he got good yield. So that's knowing your soils again. Right. Yep. But I don't wouldn't say that's like the rule. Well, I see the at the end of this uh, commandment here, it says, if you feel the need to till the dry spring soils, I'll just stop right there because we just said that that's not a good reason to use tillage. Well, yeah, then obviously the vertical till isn't the answer. But we right. just said no tillage is the answer for using it to try and dry stuff out. So I guess... And I, I would say that spring vertical tillage, you know, they mentioned co- having a compaction layer that's not necessarily exclusive to spring vertical tillage. You could have it from fall vertical tillage as well. Um, you know, we had a, did a field day last summer, or, well, actually early last fall, and, you know, we in a field that was vertical tilled, we could find a compaction layer. It wasn't a severe compaction layer, but it was there, and the farmer was surprised. He thought, you know, vertical tillage, he shouldn't have that, but um, we had... Jamie Patton in the soil pit, and um, she'd be the first one to tell you because I've heard her say it multiple times that you know any any tillage you can have a compaction layer with vertical tillage. You're just moving the location of the compaction layer potentially, 
if you're in the right conditions. So it's sometimes with tillage, it's deciding where you want your compaction layer, not necessarily that you're not going to have it. Because even deep till, we know, you know, that breaks everything up above, but you're potentially creating a compaction layer at the bottom of that shovel. So, so yeah, commandment number six is, Thou shalt not select seed solely on yield potential. And I thought this fit in with our having our corn draft last week, because um, that wasn't our only reasoning. We've talked a lot about disease um, and stuff, especially tar spot, when we were selecting some of our varieties. So um, it is important to, again, know your acres, know your potentials. If it's corn on corn versus first-year corn, you know, that potential for any disease hanging out in that residue. There's a lot of, a lot more in it that goes into decision-making with, you know, you're not going to put a, a high yielder that doesn't handle wet soil in a wet soil. That's not a great idea. So this one seems pretty, pretty cut and dry. Um, I think it's something that we all have talked about. So I don't need to spend a lot of time on that one. Commandment seven is thou shalt not apply insurance fertilizer. Especially this year. Yep. Cost is <laughs> too high. It's kind of a high insurance policy there. That's a $30,000 deductible. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. All right. That's, yeah. It's a good way to think of it. It's not your 10,000 HSA plan. This is a $30,000 deductible family. Right. And with certain fertilizers like nitrogen, we're not banking anything by having it out there. We're potentially just going to lose it if it's, if it's a bonus. I have so. no idea what you're talking about, about an HSA and deductible. <laughs> wait till you have kids. Yeah, so. just wait. <laughs> you, even... You should. You should know what that is. Yeah. No, don't wait. You should yeah, find yeah. out. Well, you no, I know, what a, I know what a deductible is, but I don't. Yeah. You have health insurance, right, Max? Probably. <laughs> His wife's a nurse. I'm yeah. sure. Somewhere along the line, she has at least. What do I need health insurance yeah. for? My wife's a nurse. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's funny. We, this you bring this up, Matt, because I was on a conference call, Zoom meeting yesterday, planning a. A precision meeting that the crop consultants always have every couple of years nationally. And one of the uh, consultants from Michigan, uh, Todd's friend, brought up that she had sat in on a meeting about, um, it's a potato consultant, not any business going on. But she had br uh, brought up about a meeting she had sat on, and we were going to talk about soil fertility and soil health, that we're not giving enough credit to the nitrogen that's in our soils, like we're that kind of goes into this insurance fertilizer. Like we should be giving more credit to the organic nitrogen and leaving our soils do more. And this probably is the year to, this is the year to do whatever kind of testing we can do, whatever kind of thing we can to check and see what's out there. And, and do, you know, all the additional stuff you apply, it's gotta be because you need it. And that should be every year, but especially this year is just even more of a big deal with the price. You're saying it's a good idea to spend twenty, thirty, fifty bucks on a test to see if you need it, <laughs> yeah, rather right. than just blow right. a few thousand on throwing um, extra fertilizer right. out. Crazy! It's a weird idea. <laughs> I I think this one should be higher up too. I don't know why they. No, I would agree. This I hate this order. Way. I actually like <laughs> don't mind the list so much as the order seems. All right, so listen next week didn't. to hear Todd's. <laughs> no. We're gonna do the same list. No, the the uh, abridged version with the better. I think they're commandments, Todd. They're not a, a hierarchy of commandments. Like no. you must follow every one of these, and no one is more important well, than the other. That's all the true commandments are. But they still like thou shall have no other gods. Number one, you know, there's a reason <laughs> right. that he put yeah. that one one. I'm but sure. coveting your neighbor's wife's pretty low. That <laughs> I just so. say yes. The, Bill's right. The the like the. the the order really doesn't matter, probably, so I should not look at that as much. But and honoring thy father and mother is pretty low too. So <laughs> that's what my kids will throw. Yeah, yeah. Dad, you said order matters. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, commandment number eight, and this this one too, I think, should come with a caveat: Thou shalt not plant into weedy fields. So yes, uh, we know, you know we've talked about multiple times in the podcast 
the idea of weed control is important. Knowing when to apply bigger weeds obviously mean um, harder to control. But you know, it depends how you define a weed. And planting if you're planting green, green right? Yep, that would be that's the big caveat that popped up to me on this. Breaking one. number eight, then, right? If we're planting green, yeah. But it's also a controlled. Ver- you know, it's not. Is not- it? Is it? <laughs> sure. Well, you. <laughs> sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. Well, I guess what I mean is we have a. We know it's there. We we know right. what we have we a know plan. What to expect, yeah. We know what we can kill. We're not worried about. I would just I would just argue. Last spring, I saw a lot of uncontrolled planting green. Oh yeah, we we definitely had some issues planting green last spring. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And and uh, you know we'll get to to that later in the commandments too. I think one that kind of encompasses a lot of this. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, it is important to have a good weed management plan to know what you're doing to make sure you have the tools that you need to manage any weeds whether it's plant you know a cover crop that will become a competition and thereby a weed to your crop or you know water hemp lamb's quarter pigweed whatever comes up in your field from year to year all right commandment number nine also a good important one thou shalt read herbicide labels it's it's always a good idea knowing they're kind of boring they are you can skim through a lot though like i like that about them like now you get a book for a any new like your truck or a new computer or something like you can't read that whole book but these are like 15 pages and you can skip at least 10 of them usually because it's a different crop that you don't deal with. Well, right, yeah. If you're planting into corn, you right. know, you just need to pay attention to the corn. Right. Right. Not we don't need soybeans. To, and We don't need to read like the MSA label, like the material safety. Cause I, like, I don't yeah, make, do you mix it yourself? No, but I don't but, either. But like, farmers might yeah. want to read that, but even but that, us, they kind of know what's say. I don't I'm just drink saying it. it's, it's not that hard of a label to read. But you that don't way. need to read about the lentils if you're not growing lentils. Yeah, no. Right. And a lot of them are similar format, so once you get it down, you can kind of, like you said, Todd, skim through the stuff like aerial application or whatever and get to, like, the rotation restrictions or, yeah. you know. There's r- always the one rate. or two things when you're skimming. Like, oh, yeah, okay, I got to remember that. Like, you knew it maybe, but it just kind of stemmed, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to plant wheat this fall and harness is a four-month, and I better make sure I wait. So Yeah, no, I'll be able to get in the two... We, two more important ones is the crop you're you're applying on and plant back restrictions to whatever you're going to next for rotation. And then our last commandment, commandment number ten: Thou shalt form a plan B. And so this kind of covers a lot of the things we've talked about um, in the last few here, especially with you know weed control. Have have an option for you know if this doesn't work or if the weather doesn't cooperate, what is plan B? I feel like. Some farms I'm on plan D Z E F, and we haven't I, even planted yet. Right. Yeah, I just say I don't. Not that I, I, I think we already sort of do. Like, just make sure pl- you you have a plan, and then it just evolves. Right. Talk about like, to say it. continue. Talk about it. Yeah. Like that's not that's weather does that. No, this year yep. it's going to be weather and supply chain and everything else that does it. So you just you learn to roll with it, and you don't get sort of too attached to plan A. You just realize like there's some things you might have to change and make sure you don't substitute big things and yeah you move on. All right, so there is our ten commandments from Successful Farming's article by Gil Gullickson. So, what did you think of the commandments? Anything you guys out there listening would add? Let us know, and that's maybe a topic we can have for another episode. So, now we'll roll into our spotlight for today. Today we're looking at Sam Sarah and John Deere partnering for Fleet Management Platform. And John Deere's had JD Link for quite a while now. Uh, some of you may even use it on your farm to monitor your uh, tractors and skid steers and know, you know, hours, time to oil changes, you know, a lot of options there. Well, Sam Sarah has a new integration with the JD Link feature. Sam Sarah's connected operations cloud platform is going to allow 
businesses and now farmers to remotely monitor fleet and facility operations with GPS tracking and video recording. Uh, so with that collected data, they can help automate workflows, turn data into actionable insights, identify security risks, and um, <clears throat> uh, help manage your acres. So the integration with John Deere Operations Center will give you a farm management tool that will enable remote access to a lot of farm information. Sport vehicles that are equipped with Sam Sarah's vehicle gateways will have a lot of options for that monitoring. And, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have any farms that are using that to to do a lot of monitoring, but it, I know there's some bigger farms out there that, that do a lot of that to help kind of keep track of hours and equipment especially. So just another way of having those options available to farmers. Now we're going to move into our Ag History Minute for today. So today we're going to talk about the Alice Chalmers no-till planter from 1966. Wheel track planting confirmed that only a small area of fine, firm soils was needed for seed or for germination. As a result, planter experts soon were asking the question, why do we need to turn over 500 to 1,000 tons of soil per acre with a moldboard plow when we only need 8% of the ground for seedbed? The question led to the development of the Alice Chalmers No-Till Coulter by Maynard Wahlberg, an Alice Chalmers implement engineer. It was a deep-fluted 17-inch coulter. It would slice through crop residue or sod to prepare a 2.5-inch seedbed ahead of the planter. Heavy rubber torsion spring provided penetration in tough soils and protected the coulter when dealing with rocks or other obstructions. To accommodate the coulters, Alice Chalmers engineers designed planter frames with three toolbars for 20 to 40 inch rows. First toolbar held the coulters, second carried the fertilizer boxes or tanks plus the openers, and planter units were attached to the third. The company offered three blades for different soils. Most popular was the two and a half inch fluted coulter. It was the first commercially successful no-till planter uh, it was released in 1966 based on concepts seen on the Harry Young Farm in Kentucky. Alice Chalmers is, is now part of Agco Corporation. And Todd, we've got a video here. Found a commercial for the no-till planter with some testimonials here. What farms were saying about it. When you're losing soil, you're also losing fertility. Everything you put into the soil is washed away. I can grow continuous corn on rolling land and get a good yield where I couldn't otherwise and save my soil. I'm sure that last year the moisture that no tillage saved raised a crop for me. The money I spend on herbicides wouldn't pay the interest on the conventional equipment I'd need. No tillage gave us two crops in one year. Let us make more profit out of the same acre. Last year, my no-tillage corn made about twice what my conventional did. These farmers... All right, so that those were some testimonials in a advertisement for the no-till planter, and I think you know some of those echo a lot of things we hear no-till guys say today and things we've talked about. Um, back in the 60s, they were some of the same concepts, so who says history is not cyclical? <laughs> So yeah, thought it was interesting. Good, good one, Matt. I like that video. The 1970s music is yeah, the sweet, great. sweet background music. <laughs> yeah. No, we want to thank all our farmer listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. He all all he has to do is search Tilt Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts or on Android. You have to download an app like Podcast Attic, Podbean, or Player FM. Work great. They're all good apps on your Android phone. Or you can listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tiltagcom slash podcast. And there you can listen to all ours right on your computer or smartphone browser. We're also available on Amazon Music, which means if you set that in your phone that you like our podcast, you can tell your speaker then, your smart speaker like Alexa, to play Tilt Talk Radio. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. There you can... There's a bunch of good draft stuff up there this last week. So, yeah. 
can see our whole draft board from last week. All right, now we'll move into Cool Beans. That's corny, so Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Our first Cool Beans. I'm driving by your house. No, you're not hurt. Summer will soon be here in our cool beans this week. Summertime ethanol will be allowed by an emergency waiver. So the Biden administration has announced that uh, the EPA will soon release an emergency waiver to allow E15 gasoline that uses more ethanol from homegrown crops to be sold across the United States this summer in order to help increase fuel supply and hopefully offset some costs. So price of corn going the way it is, though, that may not offset costs as much as at other times, but that's that's the plan, I guess, as of now. So, Sorry, I almost missed my cool beans there, guys. I had a massive sneeze coming out of back <laughs> away from the microphone. Oh, that was, a, that was a nasty one. Holy buckets. You made it, though. Yeah, I thought I was going to die. Didn't have to blow out your eardrums. I thought I was going to, though. <laughs> that was a backcracker. I could feel it coming. Anyway. All right. And then our That's Corny this week. There are some predictions that the supply chain could likely get worse by harvest time this year. So uh, egg economist from University of Missouri said that he suspects strong demand, even with costs high as they are, combined with a shortage of shipping containers and labor, might make for a tight shipping situation in the fall. So they're right now not seeing relief coming as fast as they had hoped. Can you imagine having to write this article? Oh, that feels... Yeah. Oh, my God. I can... I, 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 like know, I know re- how I felt reading the article. They've wrote so. these for the last, like, year and a half. It's the same article. It's like every... They're like, oh, yeah, six months from now to clear up. We said that for the last 18 months, so... Yeah. Yeah. Just telling us what we kind of already know. But I, I guess it would be nice to know when this will stop. But I guess nobody just, knows that. No, nobody There's knows that. You just gotta assume it's out. gonna like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just w- right when you think something might change, then we have some other big world event. I mean, we're what did I hear yesterday? We're at day fifty or fifty-one of the whole Ukraine Russia thing going on. So it's been, you know, a couple months of that with no really signs that anything's going to change there. So the volatility is going to stay in the market. you got to remember, if this turns around, there's probably just as good a chance that corn goes down to 290 bushel again. Right. So I don't really... Right. There's there's still meat on the bone. I'm looking at the futures you got on the on the board right now. I see 790 for May corn. I mean, that's... Yeah. There's meat on the bone there, even with high fertilizer prices. So there you go. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about the 10 agronomic commandments for the planting season ahead. In our spotlight, we talked about Sam Sarah and John Deere partnering for fleet management. Ag History Minute was the Alice Chalmers No-Till Planter from 1966. Cool Beans was summertime ethanol to be allowed this year to help offset corn, uh, corn prices, fuel prices. And our That's Corny is that supply chain maybe getting worse before it gets better so thanks for listening and as always happy farming